This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is the Colorado Hunting Hub Podcast, where we cover hunting in the West, but mostly hunting in the destination state of Colorado. You'll find information that will help you plan, prepare, and motivate you for your hunt, but also keep you updated on happenings in the Western hunting world. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, thanks again for checking out Colorado Hunting Hub. Had quite an awesome hunt this weekend and just wanted to share the story and what I learned and kind of give you a, a piece of the the in the field piece uh, so, and wanted to do an in in the field recording but just didn't have time filled the tag too early and uh didn't have that leg time in the middle of the day like I was hoping for and, and then just spent the rest of the weekend with the family so didn't work out that way so back at home here wanting to catch you all up first first before we do that thanks again to all the listeners really really appreciate those who donated to the uh, fundraiser thing I did. I've got something on my doorstep, I think, right now. A new mic and and boom and headset that'll uh, really make things really easier and and better sounding. So I appreciate that. Also be able to get some some better in-person setups. So looking forward to giving that a shot here pretty soon. Life's a little crazy right now, so stick with me got more ideas than I got time for but we're gonna we're gonna get them rolling as soon as we can but I do have a good interview this week uh we're tapping into the wolf issue and uh, a little nervous about that hope uh I can keep my listeners but we're gonna it's a it's a hot issue and and I almost feel obligated to to chat about it so we got to do it so I'm gonna be chatting with some folks on that tomorrow and we'll get that episode out soon but let's talk about this hunt I have an antelope hunted in seven, eight years, something like that. Last hunt I did was an archery hunt. 
another really, really cool hunt with my buddy Aaron that just, it wasn't successful with filling a tag, but it was successful in learning a lot and having a ton of fun with a buddy. This hunt I just got done with was a solo hunt, picked up a leftover tag, and if, and if you hadn't heard last week's episode, go listen to that first, and that kind of would be the correct order, but picked up a, a leftover tag, wasn't leftover, it was a reissue, and it still only took zero points to draw the thing, so wasn't any crazy good tag, uh, especially since there's almost zero public land in this unit and trying to trying to find one on that public I noticed was not going to be easy considering there was campers lined up on the outside of that public blocking any antelope from even wanting to go in so uh but before we get to that I called the game warden beforehand kind of gave me an idea of where these antelope would be hanging out on agricultural land. I don't know if that was really all that true. They were spending more time on the rangeland. And, but I did know from him kind of what the size of the animals would be in the area. And so he said lots of 11, 12-inch, maybe some 13s, and if you get real lucky, a 14-inch goat. So I was happy with any one of those. My goal was a 12-inch goat. Just wanted that standard, good-looking, mature animal and was ready to pull all the trigger on just about anything that wasn't a little 8-inch, 9-inch, 10-inch goat. So it hunt, the hunt began with uh, a luxury stay in a KOA in Lyman, Colorado. Uh, nice little place, a little spendy for the middle of nowhere, but uh, had the family with me, so got the full hookups with the camper. It was nice to leave them there with that, and... Got there in the dark, woke up in the dark, and started driving in the dark. No idea what my surroundings are like. When you can't do any sort of scouting or you're going in blind like this, it just is a little nerve-wracking because you feel like hopeless. You don't know what the heck you're going to do. Couldn't really scout much. Uh, I did online, but you got to find the property owners on those private lands to be able to go hunt it anyway. So maybe I could have done a little bit more shame on me, but I was going completely blind and, uh, it ended up working out. So my game plan, like I said, in the last episode was that I was going to go onto the public land, the little bit there, just go check it out. Well, I got there about light and camper, camper, tent, truck, all parked all over the place. There was antelope not far outside of it, but I didn't even go and look at it because I figured with all them guys, I'm not even bothering. And I just took a left and started driving, driving as far as I could go to get away from uh, where those guys were because I figured they would hunt that little area and then just branch out from there. So I wanted to get a head start and get away from the kind of the central zone of where they were. And then it ended up working out. Not far down the road, found some antelope. I was like, oh, cool. That's great. Found some antelope, got some glass on them, took a picture. Uh, and it did me no good. I, I had just got an Onyx, didn't know who that landowner was, couldn't find them, couldn't find them uh, on Google. So drive down the road, find the next one. Kind of what I did was I went and just hunted for my truck for one to start with and just put the miles on trying to find a decent concentration of antelope. 
and that wasn't too hard, but I did find kind of an area it seemed like, man, there's a lot around here. And then I drive away, and now there wasn't many around there. So I go back to that heavy, heavy area, and I just started scanning with my, my binoculars, uh, just picking up. My, my binoculars are a little better than 10 by 42. It's a little, little bit bigger magnification than that. But just pulled, picked them up, looked around, and that was enough glass for me to pick an antelope out off the landscape without spending too much time driving, stopping, driving, stopping with a spotting scope. I use the spotting scope to uh, just kind of get a good look at the animal and see what it what it looked like, how big it was, take a fun, few fun pictures uh, here and there. But it, the spotting scope would would come in handy far more for a, more of a trophy hunt, looking for a big, big antelope, trying to see if it's worth uh, the crawl across the field to get within a glassing range, a little bit better glassing range. So that that was that was good to have a brother buddy's loophole spotting scope. That was nice, uh, but just that quick scan, I was able to find them. Got to that high concentration area, and I started using Onyx to find some property owners. Thing is, you got a name, you got an address, which could be Florida, California, Illinois, Texas, anywhere anywhere but right in there. I found a few local people and every time I went and drove up to that address or where that was or uh, gave them a call, I either got rejected or I pulled up and I see, oh, there's orange out in their field. Okay, so they're allowing hunters or they have a hunting party. And and that's what I kind of noticed. It's a lot of these ranches had their Vehicles in the driveway, a bunch of orange, a bunch of it was kind of a hunting party. They had their buddies, their friend, family come in and do some hunting. So I figured, oh, I'm not going to get permission on that when you got a whole bunch of people there. It just wasn't worth my time to kind of dig into that. And then knocking on doors and intimidating. I don't know if you've ever done it. Uh, I've done it a bunch, but it doesn't get easier. It doesn't feel like when you, especially when you haven't done it for a while. So, uh, my strategy was to start using an app that I used a long time ago, and I haven't used it recently, but it's just a White Pages app. And you can start throwing in names, you can throw in the city that, that Onyx shows, and you can start to get some phone numbers, some contacts. The White Pages app wasn't working very well, so I don't know what... Uh, I don't know what I was going to do. That it just wasn't making it wasn't loading, it wasn't doing whatever. So then I just threw in into Google the person's name and the city they're at and it got me to this site called Spokeo, S P O K E O and it's just one of those internet databases, phone number lookup kind of things. Kind of creepy when you dive into that and how much information you really have out there, but 95 cents for this one record of these people and I can get their phone numbers like well I'll pay 95 cents and maybe this is the one but then I saw it was a free trial for a week so I was like sweet paid 95 cents I can I can look up a bunch of people get a bunch of phone numbers so I started a little tally and I was after talking to a few people I was 0 for 3 and one of those guys was gonna check on something found one local guy called a bunch of numbers that were just the wrong people, wrong number. Uh, website's not perfect, but it had some numbers to call and get some get 
maybe the right right numbers. So called one, this lady in Illinois, and instantly you can kind of tell, hey, is the so-and-so family, I'm trying to reach the so-and-so family, and that's kind of my approach because I don't want to say, hey, I'm looking for Dale, and Dale's been dead for 10 years. Uh, that's not always the best way to do it. So I kind of just look for the last name and say, hey, I'm looking for the Johnson family, and what uh, I'm out here in eastern Colorado looking uh, for an antelope, and I ran across your property. Just wanted to see if you'd allow me to to get on your place to do a little hunting and trying to be as cordial and kind as possible because instantly a lot of those folks, it sounds like they're answering the phone from a telemarketer. So they, they aren't ready to, to chat with you for the most part. So chatted with this lady, and she said, well, my son is the one that manages this property, and he's he's got some hunters maybe, so here's his number. So I call him. He's also in Illinois. Call him up. Actually was about to let me, and I said, hold on, let me, let me check with some. I got some other hunters out there. Not sure if they're going to be there this weekend, but we'll see. Called, He called him up, chatted with him. He called me back like 15 minutes later. Hey, Go for it, is what he said. I don't think those guys are going to be around. Uh, go for it. Go for it. And hunt. And so I, I ended with a huge thank you, like eight times. And then also reminded him I won't drive on the property. I'll drag the entire animal out. I'll blah, blah, blah. Just trying to take care of the property and let him know I respect his property, will respect his property, and, and really appreciate his kindness and hospitality to let me to, to go and do a hunt. So, had permission. I was 10 miles away. Started booking it back to where these two pieces of property, one was about 2,000 acres, one was, uh, no, the one was like 1,200, 1,200 acres, and the other one was just like 300 acres or so. And when you're out in the middle of nowhere, flat prairie, that's a good chunk of land, but it's not necessarily enough to just know there's an antelope on some of those because it's big country over there. So got to the property, and right at the corner, meet the game warden. He's sitting there chatting with the landowner, an adjacent landowner, chatting with him. He checks my license, checks to make sure my gun doesn't have a round in the in the chamber. Really nice guy. Chat a little bit. Say, hey, I just got permission. I'll be hunting right over here, just so you know. And never saw him again. So he didn't. He everything seemed legit with him, and it. it Absolutely was, 100% legit, so I just wanted to, to make sure I was open with him on what I was doing. Cruised up to the property, and there's a dude sitting there at one of the approaches, and I pulled up next to him. I was like, hey, I just got permission here, and wanted to see kind of what your game plan was. And he said, well, we've got this property right over there, and there's a there's a buck and, and a doe right, right on the corner. And we're trying to get, I got a guy out there laying down. Uh, I was going to drive right out here and, and kind of push him that way. And I said, um, well, the, I have permission on this and you don't. So I'd, I'd rather you not drive across this property. And on top of that, I don't think the landowner would appreciate you just cruising through a field, his field like that. So convinced him of not doing that, handed him a business card and said, hey, I'm going to be hunting this. Uh, he call me if, if you want to uh, coordinate. Maybe we could help each other out a little bit in the in the future so he drove down the road real nice guy and uh on top of that not just him but like other guys 
I saw other guys just cruising out on property that uh, on that same property, a different pro- piece of it, of that, a different piece of that owner's, uh, just cruising out on it. And I think there's a lot of trespassing that goes on in, in that area. So it's just because it's so desolate. But the game wardens are out, and uh, there are neighbors and folks keeping keeping eyes on things. So, so do your due diligence and stay off other people's property if you don't have permission. So, got to that property. I uh, sat and looked for just a sec. Saw heard. I saw the antelope he was talking about, but then I saw uh, another little group to the to the the west a little bit few does maybe four or five does and looked like there was a buck in the group so i thought perfect we'll uh just start here why go looking at the other property when we got a buck right here we got some antelope might as well go chase them my standards aren't very high for antelope so pulled up to where this little berm was a little stock pond dried up stock pond parked my truck behind that on the road uh but so they couldn't see my truck from where they were at and kind of walked right up to that that berm, which is probably 200 yards off the off the road. Kind of peeked over, got a good lay of the land. Sweet, here we go. We got those hunters off to the east. I've got uh, about four does here and a small buck up to the right, and then uh, looks like that's about it. I don't. I needed to get a better look, but we'll, I bet there was something else there. Saw a decent amount of rutting activity. All the bucks had does with them, or they were following does, and even saw a little bit of rutting activity with some bucks chasing bucks. So it was it was a good setup. I knew there would be other bucks in the area, so I could see this is flat, flat, flat ground, but just a slight depression where I knew if my belly was on the ground, I wouldn't be seen. So I knew these animals were. I couldn't range them. 800 yards I don't know uh, a long long ways and I am not proficient out to that so those shots were not even going to be taken it probably was even further so crawled around the berm started on my hands and knees crawling 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 through uh through that and just kind of sitting up slowly on my haunches check and see where, where things are at what they're doing they're all feeding no idea was there Crawling, crawling, crawling. And this is where I found those buffalo gourds. I had no idea that those things were out in the middle of these prairies. So it was a pretty common thing, I think, for folks. But for me, I was kind of like, oh, cool. These look like little watermelons, little buffalo gourds. I'll have to look more into them, see what they are, where they a little bit more about their their ecology, I guess, would be interesting to see. Just because uh, they're in the middle of this prairie and they're growing and they're like a I bet I couldn't grow them in my garden <laughs> just because, uh, and with wa- adding water to them. But yet it's a drought year and these little melons are growing. So kind of a cool little thing to see out in the middle of nowhere. So continue my stock, crawling, crawling, crawling. I was in no hurry. Uh, sat up and I looked around and I see a bedded buck. Just see his horns and maybe his head. Kind of looking in a totally different direction, but as actually he's quartering away from me. Uh, so it wasn't necessarily the best situation for me to crawl straight at him. I kind of wanted to crawl up the uh, depression a little bit. And so I was kind of more looking at his butt area 
and he's not looking straight at me because I knew he was probably scanning things and watching for stuff. So he was bedded. I was like, I am taking my time on this. Crawled five, ten yards, uh, belly crawled a little ways when when the depression uh, got a little higher and just slowly made my, my way. Kind of kept an eye on my back. The antelopes, there was some other antelope kind of making their way up behind me. The other hunters to the east kind of started messing things up. They got a little close. They got all of those antelope moving around. My buck started getting on his feet. And at this point, I'm 400 yards, 450, 450 to 550, somewhere in there. I had belly crawled about four or 500 yards, crawled and belly crawled. Just took my time. Good thing it was a low cactus concentration area. And they uh, started moving. They're moving along the fence like antelope do. They don't like to cross too much, but they didn't really go anywhere. They just kind of moved up and down and up and down, kind of looking at those hunters, but knew they were a long ways away and didn't really want to run from them. So it kind of just messed some things, herds dynamics up just for a short amount of time. And I was kind of just like, well, I'm going to sit here and just watch. Who knows where they're going to go? Some A small group of them, took off and headed to the south. Like, oh, great, they're gone. And ended up being some more antelope in there with my buck, my bedded buck. So it's like, well, that's all right. Those guys can go, and, and we'll uh, pay attention to, to these over here. So started belly crawling a little bit, closing that distance, closing that dis- distance. So the buck and the does just kind of calmed down, and he was just keeping an eye on them, hanging around them. So kind of look off to my back shoulder and there's some more antelope coming up that uh are a long ways off yet but there comes so all right well i've got a doe decoy and a buck decoy and i don't know it says right on the label there on the on the montana decoys don't use these during rifle season i know it's a risk and i kind of knew where the hunters were but i was like i gotta i gotta i'm gonna use it for a short amount of time try and make sure that i don't get shot and uh Threw up the doe decoy at those moving antelope, and they didn't really do much with it. Had my little call. I blew at them. Uh, didn't bother them, but didn't really come any closer. So that didn't work. Crawl a little more, crawl a little more. Got the buck decoy out. Like, well, who knows about this thing? We'll, we'll just leave this on the ground yet, but I didn't put it up. But I knew I needed to use that because I saw my buck take off. 400 yards after a small little guy and ran him off then joined his does back up I was like oh my gosh that's all I got to do I got to throw up a buck decoy and he's going to come run me off crawled a little bit more flashed that buck decoy at the antelope behind me flashed at him and then when he wasn't looking again kind of put it down so I only had it up for a little bit just because I was more worried about safety otherwise I would have had it up the whole time used that to kind of crouch and run up on him while he wasn't looking another 20 yards okay so I got to my feet a little bit and covered a little ground 20 40 about 100 yards I did that and got to about I don't know 400 ish yards or so 500 so I don't remember where I was at but it was a long ways out of the distance I'm going to shoot in the wind I had the decoy up and flash net either of those bucks 
taking a look back to see what had happened with the bucks behind me, I look forward. Oh crap! The guy's coming. My the the bedded buck was bedded, is coming right at me, and you can kind of just see that with your naked eye. Just kind of see, uh, he's not broadside anymore. Looks like he's moving. Looks like he's running. A little darker colored, running right at me. Like oh my gosh, here he comes. So it's a little windy. I got the decoy set up, put my bipod up, put my rifle on it. Decoy's moving my bipod. The bipod's moving my rifle. Set my my uh, zoom on my scope down a little bit to a, I don't know, six, eight, nine. I knew it'd be a little closer action. So I knew he'd come in to a pretty close shot. So set that up. I'm off the butt side of the, the antelope decoy and trying to get steady and I see him come and come and come and come and it's like oh I got time I got time still and I'm still getting set up trying to get steady on him and I just can't get steady he runs and runs and about stops at 80 to 100 somewhere in there is where he was at like oh here he goes he stops I get it up on him he's facing me and I have no problem taking that shot but I just could not get steady with that wind and the decoy blowing me all around, I could not get steady. So I just settled on the trigger and I was like, oh, I can't do it. And I backed off the trigger, finger on, backed off, finger on, backed off, and then pulled it up one more time. And and I don't know if I really made the decision or not, but it just happened that I had the safety off and I squeezed that trigger and boom, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> and heard that whack and that was the most gratifying sound that yeah I nailed him and not only did I nail him but he just dropped dropped right in his tracks I've been shooting these barns for three four years now three years everything I have hit with those things has dropped dropped or gone five ten yards max no more than that just dropped and those bullets mushroom really well and out of my 30 odd six hit like a ton of bricks so that was super cool just watching him come in pissed and ready to kick my butt and get me out of there away from his does and he just dropped right there few fist pumps super excited kind of look around see what else is going on what those antelope were doing they're they're just kind of hanging out at 800 yards a little ways away so left them alone, put my, started packing things up, <laughs> really wasn't in too big of a hurry. Wasn't hot, hot out, but it was warm enough I needed to get moving. So packed my stuff up, went over there, pumped as can be. The cool thing is this buck lays out all goofy on the one side. He was a 13-inch buck, all beat up. His his uh, prong on the one side is chipped. He'd been a fighter. And it just was kind of cool to see. I got the herd buck out of this group. He was kicking everyone else out. And he was goofy on top of that. His other horn, I never did measure it, but it's just smaller. His prongs broke off and it curls and lays down. It's just weird and cool. So I was super happy with this buck. Fun, fun hunt. Didn't last very long, uh, but it was it was cool just to see those interactions. So... 
uh, gutted him. Haven't gutted anything in forever. <laughs> That's that uh, I always am quartering stuff out using a gutless method. So that was a even though I've done it probably a hundred times, it's it I hadn't gutted something in a while. So um, trying not to have a hack job at it and get that out all uh, all that stuff out cleanly. Um, I've done better, <laughs> but we got it got it taken care of. Set up, set them up, took some pictures, and uh, by myself. Just and the cool thing is, if you check out Hoyt's Bow Hunting Podcast, uh, they've got a episode there on photography in the field, and it's really good. Just about how to take good pictures, and been listening to listen to that, and it helped for sure. Even though I was by myself, only able to prop up the camera so many times, do so, so many pictures or angles, I was able to get some pictures. I'm really happy with. Took at least like. 20 30 20 about 20 pictures or so uh just to to make sure i got some good ones and i'm doing that from now on i did that with my elk making sure i take good pictures not that i'm trying to get the best photographic angle or whatever it's like that i just want to preserve the memory and i want to remember what it looked like what because that memory or or that experience right there walking up on that animal and seeing it handling it in that form is a short amount of time. You don't get to spend much time with that animal. Uh, after that, it's broken down. So it, it's kind of cool to be able to spend some time with it, get some good pictures, and then have that memory right there. I can come, go back to it. So got them pictures. Strapped up an old drag rope. I hadn't put a drag rope in my hunting bag for years, but threw one in, had some some mule tape and and drug them out put them to the truck got them to the truck and that's where i did my my quartering and had coolers all ready to go threw in went to town got some more ice and uh that was my hunt got uh, to spend the rest of the weekend going to pumpkin patch uh going to the shine mountain zoo uh that's a great zoo by the way and got to see some some uh animals see my kid have a great time there with that so um, we also had a chance to just my boy and me to go out looking for some more antelope. So we took the spotting scope and put the, my knock off phone scope thing on it. And I've heard those are garbage, but, uh, with a little bit of adjustment, it works just fine. It takes a little bit more time, but, uh, uh I got some good pictures of, of some more, some more antelope. So that was a good, good time. So, I had a game plan uh, for the next day if that hadn't worked out. So this is one tactic I was going to use is that if I couldn't get on those antelope or I spooked them, I could see how they're moving back and forth on that fence. And I figured I would just go and, and sit on that fence line and just wait. I was in no hurry. I had the entire weekend plus a Monday. So that was my game plan. But it were, ended up that I didn't even have to do that. So I remembered how much I loved antelope hunting and I can't wait to have a celebratory meal of that thing and give it a try got a bunch of other buddies that were harvesting antelope so uh, and sending me pictures of their tenderloins and backstrap cooking on a grill so I'm I'm excited to to do that myself and just wanted to share that hunt with you and some of the things that I learned along the way there everything just worked out so perfectly and I executed it 
pretty well, I thought. So uh, that doesn't always happen or even come close to happening. So I was pleased with my tactics in that regard and pleased with my animal that I harvested. So I know the season is is almost over, but uh, start planning for next year. Uh, Get an antelope tag and get out there and try and trying or pick up a, a tag off the leftover list because there's plenty on there and go shoot a doe i maybe should have i joked to my wife that i maybe should have picked up a doe tag too so i wouldn't have been done right away would have been a, a great time i forgot how small they are after harvesting or after processing that elk with 50 pound quarters hind quarters uh I, i'll weigh out one of these front quarters hind quarters and see what the difference is it's like a big jack jackrabbit they're not very big but they're uh cool cool animals and i will be hunting them a lot more from now off now on so till later this week when we talk about wolves thanks for listening and appreciate you all for uh for listening and and the support you guys all give talk to you next time